Hello everyone, welcome back to Fifty Shades of Blue. On today's episode, my good friends John and Casey make a comeback um, to talk about the intersection of politics and sports. Kind of our thoughts of when that started becoming more of a thing, maybe why it's a thing. We don't really get overtly political, we're just kind of having a discussion surrounding that whole movement. It seems like it's become a movement at least, but anyway... Then we get into boxing, the Jake Paul fight with uh, the former UFC MMA guy. I can't remember his name right now. But anyway, uh, just kind of discussing why boxing is where it's at and things like that. And then we, I wanted to talk about pickleball and the phenomenon of pickleball. But that quickly evolved into a discussion on athleticism and what athleticism really is. Uh, John and Casey and I kind of we talked a lot about kind of how what coordination what role coordination plays in there anyway I think it's kind of interesting and then of course we sum it up with some dating and just kind of some talks on dating apps things like that because we can't help ourselves and then what I did want to also say is that at some point next week I'm going to do an episode with my mom and uh, she's going to give me some marriage advice I actually think that will be pretty fun episode plus my mom is really smart she's very smart and so uh, she'll have a lot of good things to say that could be valuable and then saying them to me in particular could uh, really make things interesting her own son anyway I hope you enjoy this episode and I hope you all have a great weekend Faster I can feel it beat Oh, 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 can you feel it too? I start to dream, I start to dream Alright, we're rolling once again Yo, yo Casey and Jojo <laughs> Wow Baby, 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 baby I thought of that one earlier today. I was really? like, I'm going to hit him with that. That's I can't believe I've never used that intro, before. seriously. I don't think we've uh, ever gotten that before. We've definitely never gotten that before. But not bad, though, right? Girl, you oh. are all my life. That'll be in the... Maybe let's save that for the outtakes. The, the... <laughs> Why, was that bad? Was uh, it that no, bad? No, not you. Just oh. in general. No, not a chance. It's all save over the, there. All right. Sweet. Let's, let's save, we'll save the singing for the... Uh... The boys are back in town. I love la, you la, la. Yeah. More singing. <laughs> uh i'm happy to have you guys back i always i always love our conversations on and off the podcast i feel like the world is missing out for the most part i i would agree so i would just say let's record it let's just start recording sure. all our conversations and put it out there yeah that seems mm, maybe not <laughs> yeah okay maybe not well Fair. definitely definitely not a live stream we can record it with some editing functions i can afford to be canceled i'll be honest i don't know about you guys though yeah i'd rather not <laughs> Casey works in the tech industry. He's got some interests to protect. That's a good point. Good point. Casey's on the list. Okay, before we get into the meat of the discussion, I want a quick update on Casey's dog, Frank. 
yeah, this uh, probably have the best story that I've had since since owning him. But uh, yesterday, I'm outside working. And Frank is a golden doodle. Frank is a golden how, doodle. How He's four months old. Uh-huh. He's the man. Love him. He's a great dog. He's a good pup. Yeah, he's, like a, he's a really good pup. Very friendly. Super friendly. Very cute. Loves kids. Loves other dogs. He, he's just kind of like everyone's friend. Yeah. All right. So I'm outside working. Uh, I've bought him like kind of this long leash that I just tie him up to. So he can kind of roam around outside while while I'm just kind of sitting outside enjoying the day, and uh, there's I have a couple of neighbors with kids. They range probably from two to eight. Okay, so they're outside playing with with Frank. They're feeding. I've given them some treats. They're they're feeding him right. So I'm head down working, and and I hear the older kids say Frank Frank. And, and I look up, and Frank has full-on pushed the two-year-old down into, like, all fours. And Frank is mounted, this two-year-old. <laughs> and he is going... Franklin. He is going to town oh, on this no. two-year-old. And I look up, I'm like, Frank! And he looks over, like, he turns his head over. And is just giving me this, like, grin. <laughs> where he can just uh he is like so proud of himself and so I, like i drop my computer i run over and and thankfully like the parents didn't see yeah the older kids really didn't know what was going on Dude, in today's day and age you could have gotten canceled for that, that well that's what i'm saying i think i've got <laughs> Frank I, I, canceled. I think i've got uh you know the <laughs> i think my dog is is a registered sex offender <laughs> certainly, certainly, certainly <laughs> like, should be like our our address is now potentially on registry, it, it's on the registry, <laughs> so it's a tough break for us, pal. Tough break for us. Match move for that. <laughs> so, Franklin. So, is his last name Sato? Maybe you should change that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'll probably have to change that. Frank Stevens. He's just Frank. <laughs> yeah. Frank Vinegar. Yeah. Frank, Frank Vinegar. vinegar. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's wow. fantastic! And he's wait, how many months is he? He's four months old. Ah, he sure is quick to develop. Yeah, season. he's. He definitely didn't learn that from me. Like, there are some instances where you might be proud of him in that same scenario, but not on a human, really, in general. Absolutely not. Much less a two- or three-year-old. But But I'm proud of him for providing me, like, the comic relief that I needed (laughs) yesterday. Because I could not stop laughing after. (laughs) Like, the mental imagery of it just kind of had me laughing the rest of the night. Well, you know, we talk we we talk about the things on this podcast that yeah. nobody else. Will. The hard hitting topics here on you know, Fifty Shades of Blue. No softballs, friends. I just feel like we need to like start this podcast off with a good story. I, you could not be more correct, sir. So with that, we'll get well, going. Correct, Let's get going. Uh, there were a few things I wanted to talk to you guys about. Now, as we had noted off the air, maybe there's not a whole lot to say here, but I was curious because I like you guys' opinions on a lot of things. Plus. I especially appreciate the fact that we don't match up a whole lot on our opinions. I mean, there's obviously some crossover, but we have a lot of times differing opinions, which I think is very beneficial for me personally. Yeah. Uh, it helps. Yeah. Always good to engage with people. Absolutely. Change my perspective. Not, not exactly the same perspective, which particularly I think in the Utah LDS bubble can be pretty easy to mostly interact with people that you share most of your opinions with so i think it's yeah. helpful to 
Yeah, and on it's both a, sides. I think for there's sure. plenty of members of the church on both sides of the spectrum. So, but I think naturally you sort of tribe with your people that you agree with. So I think it's good to yeah get dialogue across the spectrum. It's not necessarily to change my opinion per se, but if I can understand other people's opinions better, it's just enlightening. I just like it. Yeah, you know? sure. Because I'm not trying to make people think the way I do. It's I'm, more than anything, I'm trying to coexist. Mm-hmm. Right? Get uh, you a bumper sticker. Yeah, yeah. That has me written all over it. <laughs> um, but so what I wanted to bring up with you guys specifically is that especially this week, we've seen, uh, we've been inundated for obvious reasons, the George Floyd, George Floyd trial and all that stuff going on and the it's verdict technically the Derek Chauvin trial true sorry Derek Chauvin trial um and we we're seeing just a growing number by the year it seems like of athletes getting involved in kind of the more social justice and politics in general Donovan was tweeting out about it King James was I don't even like that I called him King James LeBron James I really don't like LeBron James but anyway he was tweeting about it um, why why do you think there's been a growing sentiment of that? Why why do you feel like I mean we've long gone are the days of Jordan coming and saying, well I don't want to make a comment because Republicans buy sneakers too, right? So he was just in it from a capitalist perspective. I kind of respect that. Um, but long gone are those days, and now athletes now athletes Tough feel geez. the need <laughs> rookie mistake. Tough man. scene. Tough scene. Athletes feel the need. To voice their political opinions. Why are we seeing that? And when did that start happening? Because I feel like it's a fairly recent phenomenon. I mean, obviously you have you have components. Yeah. Like you have Muhammad Ali, who was a big one, right? But that was not salient by any means. Yeah. That was more of a one-off. Now we're seeing it. To, it's starting to be more salient. I think the, I think there's more one-offs. So I think that's a pretty long history of it. Bill Russell. Right. Uh, Kareem. Yeah, like I said, those the, always the, existed. The guys but at the Olympics. It wasn't a cultural movement for, by any means, though, and now I feel like we're seeing a cultural shift in that regard. Am One I thing, wrong? A thought that I just had, this is interesting, it seems things have certainly accelerated in the last year. Is there, do you think there's a COVID correlation with that? Or like for some reason, just like lack of other outlets, social outlets, or like societal outlets that like, people are more i don't know aware or just looking for things to do with their time like mm. i don't know it's hard to say for sure i don't it's, know if it it's... seems like certainly like it, thinking about like the nba everything in the bubble last year uh you know the bucks refusing to play a game after i guess it was after george floyd was killed mm-hmm. right yeah, I, I that didn't really happen. If, if you want to, if, if there is any correlation, I think the correlation... There, there definitely may not be. It's just a thought. I just yeah, if there is that. any correlation there, I think it probably is more to do with the fact that uh, when George Floyd's death happened, um, it was, if I remember right, it was Memorial Day, and sports had still not started again, and so legitimately every single athlete was at home and like a normal citizen uh like like everyone else right so they had time they, they had yeah. the ability to you know go join protests they had the ability to yeah, they, they had nothing but free time on their hand where if you're a professional athlete you really never have any free time yeah you're probably not plugged because into you're the always news working out yeah, yeah so so if there is any correlation i'd say it's maybe that but 
Well, maybe that leaks into somewhat into the rest of society too, just with like people aren't going out with friends. You know, you're not going. Fortunately, this is getting less and less the case. But like a year ago, you know, everyone was just sitting at home, scrolling Twitter or watching the news, and pr- probably getting more involved in this stuff than you would have otherwise. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's a real thing, but specifically the sports, <coughs> I think. I definitely think part of it is sports and athletes are part of a, like a larger national movement towards kind of this activism, at least outspoken, uh, like all the protests seen in the last year, things like that. So I think athletes sort of are just following along with the rest of the country in a sense, or the, the, the rest of the country that is doing that. Just that things have gotten more heated as a whole, yeah, culturally, and uh, sports is just more kind of more of a, a symptom of that. Yeah, like a reflection of that. Yeah, that's possible. I mean, it doesn't. I feel like it doesn't help that you have a bunch of sports pundits that are completely like abandoning sports topics. It seems like, and just talking politics. No joke. Like first take, has now become a platform for hot takes in politics i mean i'm sure at times they try and circulate around sports and what it all means from a sports perspective but we didn't see that even 10 years ago so maybe it is maybe it's just because our society yeah, I, has gotten I can't I, I can't speak super well to that I don't, I don't really watch a ton of well like, sports yeah. like first take or any yeah. of those so I, I don't i can't well this is the only sports podcast you yeah this to, is isn't it? exactly anyway, well I it's think... the only one you need to listen to i know that yeah that's right um, sports in quotes that is. so I so I, I have some thoughts and first is number one the athletes no longer have to rely on media like mainstream media or traditional media to voice their opinion or to uh, engage in any activism because they all have their own platforms whether it be YouTube Twitter Facebook, Instagram, they all have like direct to consumer ability to be able to communicate with their fans. Whereas in previous, if Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or Muhammad Ali wanted to get their message across, they had to do it in a formal press conference. Yeah, that's or a good they, point. Or, or they like had, as part of their athletic event, right? Like yeah, athletic event, or they had to rely on. Bob Ryan of the Boston Globe to get him to write their, you know, write in Which their column. comes with it the caveat that you have to be in good graces to some degree with the media or the exact opposite, which is you have to be such a controversial figure, they're just going to want to write about you. Right. So it's kind of like you got to be on either end of the spectrum. You can't really just do it yourself. That's a really good point. I bet you the biggest correlation is social media and the direct consumer ability that they all have now. Yeah, they always talk about, you know, I have this platform to speak on. And and it's just not through, you know, traditional media where it's, you know, press conferences or the newspaper or, you know, a radio spot. Like the team itself. Like like if they, yeah. Perfect team of sports. If they want to speak on a specific topic, they just jump on Instagram live. Right. Or they just fire. We're having politicians do that now too. Right. So so they just fire off a tweet. So number one, I think the... The barriers for them to speak on political topics is much easier than it was even 10 years ago. Um, yeah, so that's that, that to me is the number one reason on 
why it's you see athletes engage in political conversations because now they can yeah there is that i mean it's just the ability overall i think you might be onto something with that for sure because before it was limited they were limited in their ability to get any message out there and now that's not the case and now we're just like the information it's information overload Mm -hmm. so when that happens and you run out of you run out of things to say from a sports perspective then you start talking whatever else is yeah. hot topic of the day or whatever. Yeah. So that could be it. The, the other thing as well is I think a lot of athletes have figured out that uh, it's good to be probably a well-rounded individual athletically rather than to be just single-minded uh, because as an athlete, if you're just solely focused on your craft 24 hours a day, seven days a week, it gets physically and psychologically draining. Mm. Um, you can develop, you know, a lot of anxious, uh, you know, thoughts in your head about, you know, why didn't you know why didn't I make that shot or you know what do I got to do to tweak this or, you know, why didn't I hit that pitch and and then you you start to get in this tailspin and your confidence actually decreases, uh, and, and any athlete not playing with confidence is really a, a it's a, damning. A, yeah, yeah. It's not a very good athlete. So this, you're saying that this is now like a different outlet to like not be focused on your sport all the time. It's, it's like instead of a hobby or something else, like more and more athletes are like being active in social issues. Yeah. I think it's good for them to be a well-rounded individual, right? It's, it's good for them for their own emotional What's funny health. about that, though, yeah. is that, like, Jordan seemed to be, like, the exact opposite of that. Well, well Jordan's he's, a psycho. He's pretty one-on-one. <laughs> he's yeah, an alien. Like, if The Last Dance proved anything, it's like, you probably shouldn't model yourself after him. That's fair, but it's at the same time, wrong, I feel like there were a lot of 90s right. basketball players that emulated that same sure. mindset, right? I mean, Reggie Miller came out the other day saying, if Jordan would have asked me to team up with him, I would have told him to F off. Yeah. And he's like, we don't see that well, anymore. I think that's a lot easier to say after you're retired, and I think a lot of. So you think I, Mel, Reggie Miller I th- might I think there's a lot of. I think there's a lot of like NBA, all the all the like NBA in the '90s people. I think. Uh, revisionist history. Yeah, I think they speak. Well, not so much revisionist history, but. Con- like, it's it's easy to say that when you weren't confronted with it. I don't know though, man. I mean, I remember watching some of those games. I really do. I, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying Reggie those Miller's guys legit lying. hated each other. Sure. Mm-hmm. And now it's not. Like, now they're all buddies. It seems to be, like, very cliquish, actually. But but think how easy it is. Like, these guys are... They all grow up together. Yeah, AAU ball has changed that dynamic totally, right? Yeah, so for them to want to team up with their childhood friend, whereas, like, Michael Jordan probably didn't meet Reggie Miller until they were in the NBA. Yeah. Or tell at least maybe college. I don't know exactly. I don't think they would have. Well, he's older too, college. so like. Yeah. So when would they have ever like? Yeah, they wouldn't have like interacted. Yeah, it was much. when they were in the Eastern Conference Finals, right? Yeah. That's. Um, anyway, that's interesting yeah. though. Well, to that point too, maybe just to generate like the era of social media and just people are more connected, right? So, yeah. it, it, all those relationships are easier. They all live in LA. They all work out together in the summer. They all do live in LA. It's true. So, yeah. all those relationships are right. just easier, probably yeah. than they were. 
Larry, well, Larry Bird would the, go to his the other farm. and Kobe's a pretty good modern-day example, though, of kind of the MJ approach. I mean, Kobe didn't really have a lot of friends. No. So, I mean, I, and he was a hell of a ball player. I mean, I don't know. Like, I think I think there's unique personalities. I'd say Kobe is probably somewhere on that Jordan spectrum. He'd definitely. Probably, he's, more, he's more like MJ than LeBron like, will ever I'm sure be if, in I'm some sure, ways. I'm sure, like, there's been plenty of basketball players that tried to do that that it, like, didn't work very well. Yeah, that's probably true too. And like, probably had to revise their approach because most people, I don't think, can do it so singularly focused like those guys did. It's yeah. an interesting take that you have, Casey, with the whole just like it provides an outlet of almost distraction where they don't have to like, like play head games with themselves about their own basketball game. I don't know. I've never thought about that. I don't have to think well, about that. Well, I think that a anything more. like whatever your profession is, not just ath- athletics or uh, professional athletes. Like, if you're thinking about work 100% of the time, you'll get burnt out, you'll make mistakes, you'll get frustrated. Like, you won't be performing at your best, um, perfor- like, ability. Peak level. Peak levels, yeah. yeah. So, I think no matter what your profession is, you, you've got to have, whether it's hobbies or other interests or just something where you're you're in a different headspace. I mean, I think that's universal. I don't think any, no matter your profession or any human can uh, just be singularly focused on one thing all the time yeah that might be true yeah but i do i think probably professional athletes are taken to to an extreme in terms of like time and effort in their profession sure so maybe that the converse is also true I, I also think the other reason why athletes can go out on the limb now and be more politically active is just the money. The, the, the economics of sport now is so much... It's it's so... The, like the pool, the, the contracts that the first-year players are getting are so much bigger than what the guys were getting back in the 90s. And so if you're already sitting on you know, a $20 million deal and you're financially responsible and not blowing it, then, yeah, you're kind of already set up for life. You don't have to right? worry about your brand like, so much. You don't have, like... Well, you don't have to worry about, like, protecting your viability, right? You can kind of just speak on what you want to speak on without mm-hmm. worrying about the implications. Right, there wouldn't the be a The 90s quote. maybe is too soon because I think there's a lot of guys that Maybe they didn't take care of their money, right? That's why you have broke. Yeah. But, like, going back to the earlier days of, like, when professional athletes had to go they sell insurance jobs. or do yeah. something in the off season, then you're definitely, like, you're not looked at as, like, having the platform. Right, yeah. Now, Casey's right. not wrong, though. The contracts have changed drastically even since the 90s. They're no, those 90s contracts are, like, astoundingly low to some degree. Now, a lot of that is because the NBA brand has increased a lot since then as well, but... Um, I and mean, I think there's examples though, like, like the, the the increase of contracts in the NBA today do not account for inflation. It's not just an inflation; like it's well, sure the NBA is like inordinate, growing in popularity around the world. But like, I mean, I think Simmons talks right about like that '90s generation of guys that uh, got huge contracts, and it was longer contracts then too, right? So you signed a seven-year deal, and guys that like couldn't handle it, right? Like I know, like Derek Coleman and. Uh, blank on some of the other names, but there's I think a pretty a pretty decent list. I mean, it's probably 
we're kind of I'm kind of cherry picking examples here, but I think there are there are plenty of guys in the NBA that's in the '90s that signed huge deals pretty quick because they didn't have like the set rookie wage scale. You could true. sign an extension whatever. So I mean, there's I think there's, I'm sure there's examples both ways. Yeah. But the thing that came to my mind is like further back, like sure, like who's like a athlete from the sixties. The like, NBA was more their life. Jerry West was like a great basketball player, but he was like selling insurance in the off season. Yeah. Was he really? Yeah. Like, guys in the sixties, like pretty much jo- jobs. Like, well, like Wilt would go do like exhibitions, um, up in like the Catskills and stuff. Like he didn't like have a normal job per se, but he was like working to make money in different ways in the off season from the NBA. And so in some ways, they're actually more uh, entrenched with society, right? Because they're they're working class people. Like being an athlete, you weren't a celebrity. Like you yeah. were a celebrity. They're traveling on regular planes and trains. They're not in private jets and in like cordoned off sections of hotels. They're like much more in ensconced yeah. in like regular society. So it almost, you know, kind of took a dip of like when sports became like super popular and people were figuring out... This is, I have no idea if this is accurate or not, but maybe they were being, they weren't being politically outspoken because they really didn't know what the backlash would be if they were outspoken, right? As as soon as like the economic curve of sports really took off, well, I would be surprised. You want to protect that? Yeah, just in general, the leagues, the teams, the players. Yeah, they're all trying to protect that growth. So it was probably like, hey, we're going to stay in the same line. But now we're at the point where well, it's like, hey, this thing is on this, this is on Pretty the self-sustaining. I think yes, it's, pre- yeah. it's pretty interesting, too. Like, I think you look at the contrast of like how the NFL behaves versus the NBA. Yeah. And I think the NBA, like the NFL is very much like nothing gets in the way of this money machine. And we're getting to $15 billion a year and $20 billion a year in revenue. Whereas the NBA, like as a league, basically has like made a decision that as a league, we're going to be outspoken on this stuff. Well, and think of the players, and I guess the NFL is getting more that way. There, but think like of the NFL statements. But think of the NFL players that were outspoken. It really probably took Patrick Mahomes, who has a guaranteed contract and is the face of the franchise, who has like a security. Yeah, and the face of the league. Like. And the, yeah, the face of the league for like it was important for him to be attached to, you know, to that movement. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Anyways, we're, we're like like almost like, unprecedented security. Which he's not even security. that vocal. It's no, he's not. He's that. not that. Vocal, he's not. But, but relative to the NFL, he is. But, but he just right. has. He has way more security to speak out than any running back does. Yeah. And to that extent, LeBron James has way more security than Patrick Mahomes does. Or a uh, twelfth man. That's right. like two like, way. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know. Patrick Mahomes is pretty damn secure, man. I mean, LeBron. Sure, he's like the pinnacle, but I don't. Patrick Mahomes. Well, yeah, but that's, that's but a like, tough comp too. But here's, like, but here's the thing: you have one, one or two bad seasons, and the NFL is so cutthroat that. Yeah. He probably would have the longest leash, but yeah, like at a certain point. Even. Yeah. I mean, think about but it. It's still like, a leash. Like Aaron Rodgers had two bad years, and they they drafted his backup. Yeah. So they were ready to cut him. If he had a third bad year, it would have been really interesting yeah. what happened in Green Bay. But yeah. he came back. So I think it all depends yeah, upon point. depends upon the league and the the economics of it. Sure. In terms of like your willingness to speak, well, and to, I mean, security. ultimately too, it's a personal decision, right? Like, I'm sure your economic situation comes into it, but like, some people are like more inclined to be yeah. involved, and some people yeah. just aren't. Yeah. So, like, I think 
if anything, like guys are or athletes, I shouldn't just say guys, professional athletes in general. Yeah. So I think a lot of the WNBA and like the women's soccer have been pretty like, uh, like admirably outspoken as well. Um, but some people are inclined that way, and some people aren't. But now mm-hmm. at least you kind of have the freedom to choose what's right for you. Yeah, totally. All right, let's shift gears. All right, well, I'll just say two. Or I want to ask a question. No, nope, we're moving on. All right. Just kidding, John. What do you got? I'll be quiet for 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, I think there's a lot of like social media. You get the people that are like, oh, I can't stand the NBA anymore. I'm not watching the NBA because it's politically active. Like, do, do you think that's real? Do you think there are people who... I don't think uh, it's as real the, as a lot of people like to yeah, think it is. And um, I know you're referencing Clay Travis specifically. No, I was just... Like, like, he's big even, into that. He, he'll point yeah, out like he ratings and stuff, yeah. all that. But I, I think that's overblown. I think what we're seeing is just a comp- a growing competition of viewership in general. And I think that's way more... Uh, that informs more kind of the, the, the... Where ratings are. Yeah, the ratings for sure. I, yeah. I, I tend to agree. I was, just, I was curious... I think politics does play were. a part in it. But not nearly as much as a lot of those people that pointed out would like to think. I could maybe see as much as ten percent, but not nearly. Like not. I I think it's probably like ten percent on both sides of the aisle, like the extreme right and extreme left are the ones that are like. I'm I'm gonna protest with my. Viewership. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Even that seems high to me. But yeah, I think it's like one percent. Yeah. I could see it being 10. I really could. I mean, we're getting in that world now where, like, corporations are being told to speak up now. And some people are like, if a corporation says anything, I'm out. Like, I'm done. Now, granted, I could be in a I think that maybe lasts for a week. And then it's like, oh, man, that's a really good Sunday night football game. I think I'm going to watch that. Or like, Mm -hmm, oh, the the NBA Finals, that's a good match. We could be in respective bubbles, though, too, right? Yeah. Like, maybe... I don't know. I, don't know. I, I just think that sentiment is very overblown. But I, was I do too. I, I, I think it's irresponsible I mean, to think that it's... it's all just related to politics. I think that's crazy. I think there are tons of variables that go into it. And to say that it's just one and that it's politics, yeah. I wasn't even... to me, like from a research standpoint alone, that seems insane. For sure. Um, yeah, I wasn't even asking like specifically like it, it, from a ratings perspective, just in general. Like people being interested in a league or following the news of a league or you know being engaged as a fan or people that have like oh i used to be a fan of the my team whatever the heat or the bucks or the bulls or whoever or the nfl Hmm. i used to be a cowboys fan but people started kneeling for the anthem so now i'm not a fan of the nfl anymore the cowboys i just think that becomes like a very big trumpeted uh like stand that i just i don't buy it it is interesting that Sports was kind of like the last bastion of being politics-free, and we're not really seeing that as much anymore because sports was the ultimate meritocracy. It's where people went to cheer for just like, just talent wins out generally, right? I mean, that's, mm-hmm. nobody can really disagree with that. And now we're not, I mean, talent still wins out. It's still the ultimate meritocracy of, of who gets to play because that's mm-hmm. their livelihood, obviously, the, for all the organizations. But we're... That intersection is interesting to me all of a sudden because it people go to sports generally to get away from the world, and now that's not the situation anymore. So I could see that's where that 10%, that's where I'm willing to throw out that 10% number because I think if people are like, if I can't even leave behind politics when I turn on a football game or a basketball game, then I'm not going to watch that either. I'm going to stream whatever I want to stream. Sure. I do think that exists. Yeah. I mean, I feel that maybe, way sometimes. Maybe I'm underrating that. I don't know. 
I, I do feel like where it's just like, come on, I need a release from this. Like, cause mm-hmm. I mean, I, I work in politics, so I don't, I, I don't really, look, I mean, granted I, you guys know me, I talk about it all the time and I do like, it is a hobby as well as my job, but there are times when it's just like, I need a release and yeah. I don't want to talk about it, think about it or anything. Uh, sure. I definitely agree with that. But I also think like, even with how much more political like sports have gotten, it like watching a game, there's not like much politics actually like in your face. I think True. You, I think you could still every watch, now and then watch you get the announcers. Yeah, you get announcers yeah. or like. But you're right. It's not some, that common. Like there's a word on the baseline, or right? Or they have the stuff like in the bubble. It does right? they definitely have stuff on the jerseys, exist but, more with the commentary outside of the. Actual yeah, it's games. much more it's surrounding or on like, Twitter. If you follow whatever. athletes on Twitter, that's one thing. But like, I think yeah. you can watch an NFL game or an NBA game. Which I don't follow athletes on Twitter just as a general rule because I don't really care what they have to say about anything. I'll be honest. It's not just. It's not political. I like legitimately would get like. Kevin Durant, like 80% of his tweets are promos. I mean, I stopped following that guy back in like 2011. Well, I mean, his actual account, you got to follow the burners with him. That's, that's where good, the good, good stuff point. comes in. That's a good point, which I can't I can't keep track of which burner he's on these days. So. <laughs> oh, man. By the way, I think it's a good thing that they have a voice. Like I, I'm, I'm, what do you mean exactly? Like, I'm, I'm glad that athletes speak up. As opposed to? As opposed to not. Okay, so like, you're... I, I, like, whether or not I agree with their opinions or not, I, I, I think it's a good thing that they at least have a platform or the ability to speak out on topics that they're interested in. And, um, and, they, and they could be wrong well, on several of those topics, and they could be right on several of those topics. But I personally am, am for them having a voice. I mean, sure. Like, I mean, nobody wants to see anybody silenced in any context, I right. think, is, is fair that we can kind of all agree on. But I think there is a delicate balance that some of these guys should at least try and toe, which is you have – you can't oversimplify the idea that what your opinion is politically trumps anyone else's opinions and be that dismissive about plenty of your fans. Your, your own personal fan base yeah, is going to think differently from you. And if, if I'm a publicist, for example, or a manager, or an agent, I'm saying think at least twice before you tweet something like this out because you're going to alienate a lot of people that really like you. Not to say that you're, not, you're wrong. I'm not saying that. I'm saying just think of that other people could have differing opinions because this is a complicated topic. Mm-hmm. And, to, and to tout this is to kind of make you think that you're some pseudo expert and they that's the last thing they want to see and they want to they want to cheer for you as a basketball player but not as a political pundit well so I, i'm just saying I, I agree with you that it's nice that they they're not silenced like it's not going to affect their own livelihood because this is a free country we live with free speech is a very awesome amazing gift from god that we all have mm-hmm. but just from like a marketing perspective yeah i would i would that, say then again that don't goes, be willy in, nilly that goes into the money thing Right, like I think they're okay with taking those losses. Yeah, I think right. I, that's what I was just gonna say. Yeah. I think plenty of athletes are would probably say I don't really care. Like I'm but, gonna express my opinions. If if my fans disagree with it, they don't have to be my fans. I guess and I should I'm say this okay. too, not just from a marketing perspective, because you guys know me well enough to know that I'm pretty delicate about a lot of things. I have very strong opinions, mm-hmm. but I really don't try and alienate anybody I talk to, and right. I have nothing to gain from that. Right, right. I no, can. I I, 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 th- my livelihood is not dependent at all on how people think of my political opinions, but I just believe in a sense of decorum sure. and a sense of respect sure. that not everybody's going to think the way I do. 
And that's another aspect of it, right? Maybe it has nothing to do with money, but more kind of, let's just not be dismissive of a whole ideology here. Yeah. Just because people don't think like you. I don't know. And that's, I just think that's a good rule of thumb in general. I, sure. I, I do too. I agree. I'm curious, this thought's popped in my head. I don't, I don't know if you can cut this out. This may be terrible, but uh, I mean, you're, you're a big uh, Chase Serrano fan, right? I love his writing. I'm not. He, he is. He is. He is. He is one that's incredibly outspoken for anyone who voted for Trump or any he, sort of basically Republican. I'd which say. is ironic because like I remember him tweeting out pictures of him and the missionaries and like talking about like the Houston cleanup and all that stuff and like uh, clearly the church art the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints is 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 practically synonymous with conservatism, which is something that Shea Serrano is diametrically opposed to. So that was interesting. But granted, at least credit where credit is due. Anyway. So even he's somewhat contradicted that to some degree, but he has come out in a way where he's like, I don't want you to appreciate what I do if you voted yeah. for Trump, yeah. if if you're, you know, whatever, right? Just any, take any conservative platform, and he basically has made that very clear. Yeah. And my own perspective, so I have, I have a couple things here, actually. I will always appreciate Shea Serrano's writings because he was becoming very political while I was still teaching at Texas Tech and I would still show his writings. I would still show his examples because I think he's a fantastic writer. Mm-hmm. He's kind of changed the game in that regard. The way yeah, he his writes... his story is pretty incredible too. Yeah, like how, he was a, how he got to where he is. A teacher, yeah. a middle school teacher or something mm-hmm. like that or whatever. Yeah. Um, but he, uh, he, he has a unique voice in writing and that's what I've always appreciated because in order to be a good writer, you don't have to like stick to this standard blueprint of writing. You can yeah. be fun, you can be entertaining and, and he writes, he almost has like, just kind of like, what's, what's the word? It's like a stream of consciousness way right. of writing yeah. mm-hmm. where it's like, he just does very conversational. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he's, and I love that. Yeah. I, I kind of try and make, I try and adopt that style of writing myself to some degree, but, yeah. um, What's funny, though, is that I look at people like artists, people like Shea Serrano or even athletes, and I think if they have a problem with me appreciating what they produce, that to me is more funny than anything. Like, I'm going to still consume it. And, if, and, and the fact that I'm a fan of them, if that bothers them, so be it. I am kind of, a, I can kind of, uh, I like the fact that I get under their skin that just because of the way I vote, they don't even want me consuming their art. Right. It's like, well, you guys can screw off, then don't put it out there. I'm still going to, I can separate your BS ideology of how I might see it mm-hmm. with your art. Yeah. And still take it in because I can appreciate it. Like, there can be a lot of value in what people say that has, stands alone outside of their own opinions. Of, yeah politics or whatever else so part of me feels like i'm kind of getting under their skin so that's also another kind of thing that i take joy in yeah um but i don't know i can't really remember what else i was going to say but yeah shay serrano i haven't read his stuff i don't follow him on twitter because it did get to the point where i was like i'm having legit animosity for this guy and i don't want that so i stopped following him i did too and so sorry like i did too yeah and i'm more left-leaning Right. Well, you're. I would say you're moderate. You're a tr- you're a true moderate. Right. Liberal leaning to some degree, but even then, I wouldn't say like full on. Yeah. And liberal is way different than left. Sure. Because left, like that's something that actually has been conflated even from the right, and I, I think it's problematic because leftism is actually like very very extreme progressive, like uh, whereas liberalism is way different. Gotcha. Um, I think at least, and that's kind of how a lot of people define it. But anyway. I was just curious. I, the, the, his just—he's so 
overly outspoken about like, yeah. oh, if you have anything about Trump, you're getting blocked, and I'm gonna yeah. like post a picture of me flipping you off, and then right like, so I, it just popped into my head. Yeah, it's it's kind of too bad that if I if I came across Chase Serrano like at a restaurant or whatever or a place where like he'd be open to casual conversation with a fan of his. And if he just knew who I was, that he wouldn't want to talk to me. That's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. But that's more of his loss, I think. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's unbelievably narrow-minded. Really. Right? And that's too bad. Yeah. But whatever. But I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to condemn the guy. He has the ability to make his own choices. For sure. Yeah. As we all do. Exactly. Um, so, I guess to long story short, John, to answer your question, is... It, I do not consume him actively, but if I came across an article that looked interesting to me that he wrote, I would not hesitate to read it now. Okay. Not a chance. Because I still like his writing a lot. Yeah, that's right. His, his the uh, uh, trash-talking guide to pick up basketball is still one of my favorite articles of all time. <laughs> it's on Grantland still. It's incredible. It is so funny. Yeah. That's one of the examples yeah. I would use in my class that I teach. Anyway. All right. Now you can move on. Now. All right. Do I have your permission? <laughs> you have my permission. Okay. Well, I wanted to talk about this recent fight that happened between Jake Paul and Ben Askren, which you guys may be sick of. But for the uninitiated, Jake Paul is a basically a YouTube star um, who has riding, been riding his brother's coattails for as long as his brother had coattails. And for some reason, these Paul brothers have gotten into boxing for whatever reason. Um, and they've just only done exhibition matches, but they're still a legit boxing matches. Um, what I saw is that there was this article that was talking about like how this is becoming bo- a boxing problem, and it's terrible for the sport of boxing. And I am by no means a Jake Paul fan. I don't even know who Ben Askren was until last weekend. But... That's a more interesting to fight a, a fight to me than anything else they produced. So I don't understand the gripe. Like, why doesn't boxing make it more appealing for the av- like just the average person like myself? I was wanting to see Jake Paul get his ass beat essentially, which didn't happen. He actually knocked the guy out really quickly. Right, but. So why what why is this a boxing issue? I don't know. Like what like Here here's boxing's biggest problem is um I was actually listening to Ryan Rosillo talk to uh Chris Mannix. Chris Mannix, who's a SI NBA writer and boxing writer. And this is the, it's the UFC versus boxing. There's no one in boxing that can just say, "Okay, you two are fighting now because you two are the best in your in your division." Uh and like at some point guys started building their careers by like trying to avoid losses in boxing. So you don't really get good boxing matches anymore. Mm. Whereas in the UFC, Dana just says, okay, you two are fighting now. And if you don't fight and you have the belt, you're out, you're, you're, you're losing your belt. So boxing basically needs like a, to reorganize if it's going to become great again, I think. I think you're absolutely Make right. Make boxing great again. <laughs> Cause That's- like I, I'm one, like I'm not, the world's most knowledgeable boxing fan, but I've been to like four boxing matches in my life and they're really fun to go to. I believe that. And like watching a great like boxing pay-per-view is really fun. So it's a bummer that like 
the best boxers don't actually box anyone that are on their level. And so it's like they're not entertaining fights. It, I also think one part of it, too, was Mayweather was like the biggest attraction for the last eight years. And he's like not an entertaining. No, he's not. He's all, all his fights are very, yeah, like yeah. defense, counter attack, like and not really that exciting. And that's where like Pacquiao, I think, became such a like beloved fighter is because like his fights were exciting. It's yeah, like, but, but, think, but think how like think you know going back to what John was talking about. Think how maddening it was to get Pacquiao and Mayweather to fight. And how long it, it took. It was yeah, like finally, a five. They were both past their prime. And it was past. not exciting. Like, yeah. Can you imagine the you know can can you imagine the end of this year when say the Lakers and the the Sixers or the Nets and we're like okay we're gonna pause this because. We can't agree on the terms of when we're going to play and how we're going to play. That's a great point. Uh, we're just going to wait five years till LeBron, you're 42, uh, for us to have a uh, you know the NBA Finals. It would be significantly less interesting because they're out of the. So how does friend. boxing not realize that yet? That's crazy to me. Well, I think they do, but it's like it's they just, don't care. It's it's five different organizations, and it's in the hands of like all the different promoters and agents. So, so there's just, I mean, that's the difference. Like UFC is a company. Yeah. Right. Boxing yeah. is there's no there's no. I mean, it doesn't have a government. There's a body. there's a joke here about like it was way better when like the mafia ran was it, controlled controlled everything and like yeah. organized the fights. But like promoters are like it's not. It, in there's their, not one it's governing not in body. Their, yeah. There's no. There's like four governing bodies that award uh, belts. Mm-hmm. But even that, they're like not really like an overall governing body in the sense of like an NBA or even like a athletic commission or something. So that is crazy. I, so the it, reason why Jake Paul is interesting is because Jake Paul just wants to huge, fight, and because he has a huge following. He has a huge following, and he just wants like, to fight. And if he loses, he doesn't care. It, the, the way I see yeah, it, he made a like, ton of money either this, way. The, what's going to save boxing? I put that in quotes because, like, who knows what I know about saving boxing, or whatever. But what's going to make it more popular, at the very least, are these celebrity fights. They are like yeah. when Jake Paul calls out random guys and these guys are like sure i'll fight you like it is kind of like well i kind of want to see that now all of a sudden you mm-hmm. know and dana white is like threatening to sue the paul brothers now do you see that because they keep no. like calling out former ufc guys and he's like what are y'all doing well they're calling out the ufc guys that don't know how to box yeah exactly <laughs> yeah like, it's pretty convenient on their part but and i like i'm not a big enough fan to really know but like manix made the point they're like yeah he, he picked the ufc fighter that, like didn't know how to box if jake paul went and fought in UFC, he'd get his ass kicked. And, like, same thing, like, I remember this now conversation that, a little really bit. want to see. This conversation a little bit with Mayweather when McGregor fought him, right? I mean, there's probably a lot of reasons McGregor did that. The number one was, like, the $80 million or whatever he right. made. But, like, credit at least to McGregor to, I mean, he's a really good boxer for a UFC fighter. But, like, Mayweather was never going to go fight him in the UFC, so right. like credit May or McGregor at least for getting out of his comfort zone and going to meet the best in at what he does. Well, McGregor had some his, background in boxing. Too, yeah, he's right? like, he's a really good boxer. Yeah, and that's like he's probably the best boxer in the UFC. Yeah. But to put him on the same ring as Floyd Mayweather, like that was only ever going to go one way. UFC certainly has surpassed boxing in terms of just right. interest. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, that's like, there's other, there's regard. other, I mean, the UFC isn't the only MMA, right? There's Bellator and right. other, other strike, uh, quick strike or strike force or whatever it is. Sorry, that's embarrassing a little bit, but like the UFC has gotten as big as it is. It's because like Dana just has that like magic touch of like, didn't he buy it for a million people, dollars by the way? 
I'm pretty he, sure Dana White bought the UFC for no, a million. No, no, he bought in. He he bought in, and then yeah, the what's their names, the yeah, Fertitta the brothers, brothers, like owned most of it, and then he got equity as part of it, and then they sold it to a private equity firm for like what four billion or something. Yeah. So he cashed out big time, but it was the Fertitta brothers that killed it. Yeah, I think he yeah. had like ten percent equity or something, yeah. or maybe less than that, like five percent. But the Fertitta, but the Fertitta brothers bought it for like twenty million or something like yeah. that, and sold it for four or six billion or something. Yeah, they're the ones that cleaned up. Okay, so he bought in at two million. That's insane. Yeah, I mean, but it, and the credit to him, like he's the one that built it up. Yeah, but that's why UFC has become like. But he the bought in at nine percent. So what is? Yeah, so nine percent. What's that valuation? Four billion. Four billion. No, no, no I know it is now, but what was it at the time he bought in at nine percent? I mean, like really, that was what was it? Nine uh, percent of twenty million. So that was twenty. That was about twenty million. So it was twenty million dollars when Dana White brought in bought in, and now well, it's that's a four billion dollar company. Like what the yeah, the Fertitas. Yeah, the Fertitas were the rest of that twenty million. No, I know, but I'm just saying that's crazy. Yeah. That's insane. And that was since Dana White's gotten involved. It really has only been in the last, what is it, 10 or so years? Well, they no. jointly, they jointly Less? got they jointly more. Got involved. more. It's, it's been I mean, more it's going back to it's like not a lot more than that Dana White's been involved. It's like 15, 18 years at this yeah. point. Yeah, I mean, it's like mid-2000s. Mid, uh, like aughts? Yeah, it's yeah. like 15 plus years, I think, at this point. Okay. From sure. when they... Well, Still, though, that's crazy. But yeah, like... To inc- do that in incredible, that span? Yeah. But it's because the UFC is a company that can dictate... Okay, Good for McGregor, them. you're gonna fight so and so. You're gonna fight Habib. It's a great business you're gonna model fight when it comes. To that. I mean, you're right. It emulates DS. more of the NBA and 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 football, like NFL. When, when the people are at the peak of their primes, they fight. Yeah, right. and if you're not gonna fight, then want. you're out, and you're not gonna make any more money. Like if you get on, I mean, it's probably there's probably a bad side of it too. But like if you get on Dana's bad side and you like don't come through for him, then you're gonna be out, and you're not gonna get more fights. It'll well, for the sake money. of the viewership, it certainly seems to be working. And they, the impressive thing with UFC is, like, they've had a, a variety of, like, people that are the most popular. And it's kind of proven that, like, I mean, Connor obviously, is super popular. John Jones was there at one point. Uh, who's the guy I'm thinking of? Chuck Liddell. Like, there's been people that are, like, the preeminent person. But the UFC has kind of proven that, like, they're, they're going to survive losing any one star. Mm-hmm. Ronda Rousey. That was so, nuts, by the way. When Ronda Rousey went down, I legitimately thought she was... Never gonna lose, and then not only did she lose once, that was it. She got broken. Yeah, yeah. She just fell off the. Well, earth. and then like it's been interesting, and now there's like Amanda Nunes is like kind of the new Rousey. Like yeah. kind of people, I think, think like she won't get beat. Yeah. That's the thing, man. Like, it, you take a punch the wrong time, like all from anything can what's, change. What's her name again? Holm? Holly Holm. Holly yeah, Holm. Just a freaking roundhouse kick, boom, and that's it. Ended Rousey just like that. And yeah. Holm's not even like. Anything particularly special? No, she mistaken. lost. I think her next fight. I think maybe, that's right. Maybe she won one and then lost. Like she like, was a force. Yeah. Like she was good, but it wasn't she was, like she was. Unbeatable. It was not who you exactly. It was not who you would have have expected to beat Ronda Rousey. But that is like ultimately, it's a problem that probably will never be solved. But boxing would be better served, and boxing fans would be better served if there was like the commissioner of boxing mm-hmm. that was like at a certain point, either you're going to lose your belt or you're going to take this fight. Yeah. So. It is interesting. Amen. It is interesting. All right, I want to shift. One more topic. We're hitting the full gamut here tonight. Yeah, but it's all very like random. If you're good at pickleball, are you athletic? No. <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't speak on this. I'm like, I have not. But your opinions pickle. matter. My opinions you? do matter, probably more than anyone's in general. 
in general. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I like I've played I'm pickleball. Cut out that laugh I've played pickleball just oh. to make it seem like you're dead serious right, and that, and everyone's gonna hate you for it. That's fair. All right. Um, I, I've played it like three times. It's fine. No, it's the not other, fine. It's amazing. The other two people in this room, it's like it's the, the it's the most God's gift to outdoor activities. I, it really is the the best sport ever invented. There's no question in my mind about that. Um, I think it's a, I think it's if if the answer to your question is no, then I think it's a game, not a sport. So yeah, that's actually what I was gonna say. I actually didn't really sport. mean to I didn't really mean to ask, are you athletic if you're good at pickleball? Because I actually agree, you're probably not. In fact, the way I view it is the way I viewed ultimate frisbee since college, which was I came to this conclusion with one jackass saying oh so and so's so athletic they're way good at ultimate frisbee and i was like nah no 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 just because you're good at ultimate frisbee does not mean you're athletic if you are athletic you will be good at ultimate frisbee this is true the latter is true, but the former is not true yeah. because you can get really good at tossing those discs. Have you this seen the a, guys that play frisbee yeah, golf? This is one? a this is right. a rectangle is a square is a square is a rectangle, but a rectangle is not necessarily a square. So it works Bingo. going one way. But That's not right, the other. exactly. And so I agree. I, I think agree with pickleball that. is actually very similar to that, in some, to some degree, to some degree, it does actually. I will say, the more athletic you are, I think the better you'll be at pickleball. For so, sure. I mean, so ultimately, it's, it's hand-eye same coordination, argument, right? right? So whether yeah. hand-eye coordination is athleticism or those are different things. That's an interesting connected. topic all on its own, right? What is athleticism? Yeah, very much so. But what's with this pickleball that phenomenon? That's true because, man, that's a deep question because, like... I think most, it is coordination, personally. Most athletic endeavors ultimately come down to, like, coordination. Just how you can move. Right? Yeah. Like, every, like hitting a baseball... Uh, I actually think that, when people right? say like, athletic... When people say athletic, I actually think what they really are meaning, even at their subconscious level, is their coordination is great. I, that's what I think personally, because I don't. Yeah, th- I yeah. Because there's a physical prowess that a lot of people can achieve, right? I mean, LeBron was built in a laboratory, as far as I'm concerned. If you want to make a perfect basketball player, it was LeBron. So there is that aspect to it, right? We're just physically, he's such a force, but. You a lot of people just by putting in the effort can get to a physical foundation, a threshold, if you will, that will put them in competition with other people in that physical threshold. But then, what can then give them the edge is like coordination and things like that. Don't you think? Yeah, I mean we're getting we're getting into splitting some very yeah small hairs. Yeah, we're splitting hairs here, but I I, we're not splitting hairs. I don't I don't actually like that. I don't. I mean. Splitting hairs is like that's a reductionist. Okay, like, sure. Wait, so way of going okay, about it. I'm not reducing we're, it. Like, we're I feel like I feel like I, we maybe both I, got lost in your in your. Yeah, sauce you, you went like super PhD Harper, where <laughs> you started to use a lot of big words, and I didn't quite yeah. understand that. Right, so, so, so like, bit. let's uh, let's, let's back it up a little let's bit. Back it Should up. I explain beep, it to you guys? Beep, yep. Beep, Speak beep, it to beep. only two people that have master's degrees yeah. and not doctors. Should I speak humble, to you guys like, like you're here. a six-year-old? Yeah, explain yes, it please. Explain it like we're, yeah, like we're 12. <laughs> I hope you got the office reference. I'm just saying, when it comes to the physicality of it, there is not a lot of limitations for people. Like, people can put in the work, and they can be a force in that regard. Now, mm, granted, I, height, height goes a long yeah, way. Yeah, like, I disagree like, with that. Well, no, I mean, I just mean like... Strength, pickleball, or just—I oh, mean in general. Okay, I mean in okay. general, but okay, like, continue. 
like obviously speed go you'll get to a point when it's like the nba or the nfl like everybody is going to be fast everybody's going to be strong most people are going to be tall right Mm -hmm. so you don't really have a wide variety in that regard but what then starts to separate them i believe is coordination like the ones that are truly good and and like actual really coordinated right like shooting you could I mean now we're getting into like an esoteric debate of like how much of shooting is coordination. Right. But like eyesight. How good of a shooter you are is like an objective skill. Right. And that's gonna separate a basketball player. Yeah. Or but I do dribbling think, or I do think if you just shoot a thousand shots a day, you're gonna be a freaking great shooter. I mean, I mean probably more than that these days. You'll get better, but like do you do you think like who's like a really good player but not a good shooter? Shaq. Shaq. Or I'm thinking LeBron like used to be that way. West, like, Westbrook. That's a great example. Yeah, Westbrook. Do you think Westbrook doesn't shoot a thousand threes a day? But he's still a terrible three point shooter. I don't think he shoots a thousand threes a day. Do you, you don't think he practices shooting? I do, but not. I don't think. I mean, I'm saying a thousand is that's a very okay. Arbitrary like number. yeah, like but he's not shooting as much as Steph. There's no question about that, right? I don't know. You think he might? Yeah. That's crazy. If that's I think crazy. I doubt there's very many people. You might be right. I, mean, I, I can't say. I don't wrong. like Russell Westbrook, but I doubt there's many people that like outwork him or outpractice him. Yeah, but there are varying degrees to. But what I that think even means. I think anyone in the NBA could shoot ten times as much as Steph does, but they're never going to be as good a shooter as Steph is. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it is like kinda, you think Reggie Miller or Ray Allen. It is kind of interesting to think as much as Steph did, but they're Miller, not as good as he is. Allen and Curry are all somewhat similar body types. Think about that. They're pretty stringy guys. Steph is shorter. Though. Reggie Miller is quite a bit taller than the other two, but they're stringy guys. Yeah. They're built really similar. Well, yeah, I mean they're built like shooting guards. <laughs> but even then, like like Westbrook's a shooting guard, and he's a freaking well. Ox. Westbrook's a pretty like uh, unique. You say they're built like shooting guards, but those guys are like particularly. Skinny. Yeah, they're they're slight. They are. I think that's interesting. I just I don't know. I'm just yeah, I'm just thinking of that right now. Like what is well, that? Like what I do think there is like there is some sort of like whatever it is. It's your combination of genes or it's genetic or like just a random lottery. But like someone could outwork Steph by ten x in terms of like shooting and practicing. But they're not going to be as good a shooter as he is. So there is like some sort of predisposition to skills. I don't know. Jimmer might be able to pull it off. Okay, well, gross. That's the worst <laughs> thing you've said all night. It's awful. Um, so replace Jimmer, <laughs> replace Jimmer for Steph. Warriors win seventy four games. You think? Yeah, hundred okay. percent. Okay. Just clearing that up, and actually win the championship. I got year. a lot of flack for my Jimmer take, by the way. You should. Which one? Actually, you shouldn't have. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, you agree with my Jimmer. Which take? Yeah, Jimmer is the worst. <laughs> um so okay oh, that, been yeah, an embarrassment yeah. so uh here's where i would add additional context to your point i think when you're young like in high school and and below your general physicality is what gets you noticed and what gets you playing time and yeah there's a lot of intangibles right basically so, what i'm saying is the things you can't coach yeah, like right. yeah, so and, and that separates you. So that gets you that gets you to one level, right? Mm-hmm. Then I think there is what you talked about with work ethic and your ability to develop coordination. Well, that's another thing. I don't know how much coordination can even be developed. 
I think oh. that's one of the most natural. I you can. No, I think you, I think you coordination. Can definitely coordinate. Definitely. I think so. Well, I. I think to an is, extent, to I think extent. I think some of it is innate, though. I really do. No, so. I do too. Like they say, like you can't teach speed, right? But but like that's actually incorrect. You can get faster. Sure, or else but, Tosh wouldn't exist. Yeah, you you, you can actually get faster, but I think there's a, a certain amount of like work ethic to develop those skills. The one thing that I would say is the one percent or the point zero five percent that are playing professional athletics. What makes them great is not only just their raw athleticism and their work ethic. Like they're mentally so much stronger than yeah th- than just about any other they're, person. You know like, what? That actually might be one of the bigger components like as well. They're they're so mentally tough. Yeah, that's a good point. To push through the failures, like yeah, they're just they're so comfortable with failure. And well, the ability to overcome that's an interesting failure. way of putting it. I would disagree with that. It's almost like they're it's their discomfort with failure is what makes them mentally strong. Yeah, 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 that's my point. Yeah. Like the, their failure like, doesn't mo- wreck them. Mo- right. Most people motivate. Most people, sure. yeah, yeah, most yeah. people encounter failure and you get discouraged. You yeah. don't want to work as hard, or you take some time off, or whatever. Well, whereas you're right though. Motivates. Actually, though, it is there. There is a. It's this weird hybrid of discomfort and comfort with failure because in order to be in order to be okay with failure, you have to keep attempting things. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. there's very a lot of truth to that. Because think about it, right? If you're the best shooter in the NBA, you're shooting 40%. Yeah. That means 60% of the time, the shot's not going in. You're a Hall of Fame baseball player, you're getting a hit three out of ten times. Yeah. The other seven times out of ten, you're getting, you're getting out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, the best quarterbacks in the NFL, they probably throw around sixty percent or fifty percent. Yeah. Like so, so sports is based in failure, and your ability to accept that and. That's a really good point. It's a really good point. On a point. bigger scale too, like best case scenario in a career, you're Tom Brady. You win seven championships in twenty seasons. Or, but and most people like that's an extreme example. Most people, you have an incredible Hall of Fame career. You might never win a championship, or you might win one or two championships. So most of your seasons end in disappointment and frustration. That's another interesting component you just brought up. Well, debate topic. How much of Tom Brady's success is attributed to his work ethic or his athleticism? Psychotic person. Or I his think, mental toughness. I think Tom Brady's athleticism I don't, is not like... It's not through the roof, right? It's not like a, like a traditional athleticism. It's not. Yeah. But I think his... Whatever it is, like it might be his snake oil, it might be the TB12 method, it might be avocado ice cream, but like <laughs> he has an incredible ability to like not get hurt and not get like dinged up, yeah, or play through ding ups or whatever. But like, so I don't know what that is if that's athleticism or that's his like pliability or whatever it is, but like that is certainly a unique skill. We should all adopt the TB12 method just to see what it does. Can, can only hurt, can only help, right. Yeah, so I mean, the definition of an athlete is is really really hard to um, it's a, it's really hard to define. Well, I am right? a pickleball athlete, so that's how. So I if you myself. want to call yourself a pickleball athlete, that, <laughs> as long as you qualify it that way, God that's, bless. You. That's fair, but like on the pyramid of athleticism, like being a pickleball athlete is the very bottom. Nope. Right. That there Bowling? is. I would put bowling below. Okay, bowling. So it's the second layer, but it, it's 
the variety of people. All I know is golf is definitely above it. When anybody asks me if I play pickleball, I'm going to say no. I'm a pickleball athlete. There okay. you go. Well, you will get laughed at by me. <laughs> As, and by me. I, I don't know. Obviously, this took a different turn, but it became very interesting. Yeah, like, it, it, that is an incredibly, like, interesting topic of, like, parsing out physical athleticism, mental athleticism, mental toughness. I'm really glad Casey brought that up because that is something I don't think about a whole lot, but the mental toughness goes a long way with that. And of course the college athlete yeah. is the one that brings yeah. that up. Well that I mean that that to me is the most important thing that I got out of sports. Yeah. That makes sense. It's just mental toughness. Yeah. Cuz I failed a lot. Yeah. I, I can imagine, right? Given that I was a perennial bench player in college, like, I was really good at it. Hey, but you made it, man. I want you on my softball team still. It's never happening. <laughs> not even for co-ed? <laughs> Absolutely You don't not. want the opportunity to impress Bark, some, barking up the wrong some beautiful there. women? I think you failed to forget our, loss, our last podcast where there was a 0% interest in, in dating. Oh, yeah. Do you guys have any updates there? It still sucks. <laughs> still very much. That happy. was the hottest part of our last podcast. People loved it, man. You guys don't. Well, still sucks. Update uh, still sucks. Still sucks. Yeah. Are you guys trying? No. <laughs> I'm trying less now than I was at the time of our last podcast. So what does that mean? I, like, apps are deleted. Okay. Uh, I'm out on, like, I'm, tr- well, what I'm, what I'm trying to do is force myself to try and meet people not on a dating app. That's, hey, you know I'm all about that. And I, I, I realized I probably was never, like, incredible at that to begin with, but, like, I have almost lost that ability. You know and what that, you gotta that do? That frightens me. You, gotta, you know what you gotta do? And, yeah, I'm safe. This is great podcast fodder, actually. So, I, as I've said before, I think dating apps can provide a false sense of security. Right, they give you that safety Absolutely. net where you think you're making progress in the dating world, and in reality, you're not, because you just have it there in your back pocket, but you don't ever really take it seriously. So then, all of a sudden, you're not as motivated to actually go out and meet people. So if you cut that net and actually try and make an effort in a real social setting, that can help. Now, the way I did it is that well, I don't really go to parties to meet people either. Right, I go to catch up with people that I haven't seen in a while or whatever. And I don't really not like if there are over twenty people. God, for the listeners, uh, my man, my man, right here. Yeah, I don't really go to parties in general. So I'm like, well, how am I going to actually put myself out there? And one thing that I thought of was, and this is going to make me sound like such a zoob, but I do think it's a good analogy. It's like on the mission, the best way to find people to teach and baptize was through references, right? I'm uncomfortable with dating and mission well, comparisons. Too bad. You're on my podcast. So, so you, have you're, to be you're big into the setup situation. Right? Absolutely. I think, yeah. I think if you know somebody that knows somebody that you're like, I don't know, she might be a nice girl to get hey, to know. Yeah. Make right. it happen. Yeah. I like that's, that. No, I mean, I'm, 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 that's great. I'm tongue in cheek on that. Cause I, I've like definitely make, believe that's more likely to lead to something. Right. Don't make, don't make the setups come to you. Just be like, be purposeful like, hey. about it. Like go to someone and be like, Hey, you know, this person, like, how well do you know? I'm like, how about, how about dropping my name and like maybe seeing how it could work out. I'm like, we're, it's 2021. So, you know, pictures are going to be transmitted yeah. and all that stuff. And if there's interest there, then take them out and see how it goes. You know? Yeah. I love that. I'm for it. All right. I won't engage. There's my life advice for you guys. You guys got anything else for me? RR at gmail.com. Life (laughs) advice. Shout out Ryan Rosillo. Are we we wrapping up here? I'm sure he's a listener. But you want to get anything else in? Uh, I would like to 
we listen to a podcast both uh, where we like to they like to admit my copas. Oh uh, yeah, any my copas for the week? Any apologies need to be issued? Oh, I didn't come mistakes prepared, mistakes that were made on the last me. episode. I, I would actually uh, like to uh, have my copa. Mea copa. Mea copa. I'd like to apologize for leaving out uh, Hoffa Ruggio of my five. <laughs> Uh, I mentioned straight. off. I think I know, but he got a mention. He definitely got a mention. Yeah, but I, I'd like to. I'd like to apologize. I thought about it, and he's, him he's, not him not being in the top five was was wrong. It was an oversight. It was an oversight. Okay, well, so, so that was still an interesting one to me because to me he just didn't seem significant. Casey, like, Casey regrets the. No, he, but he was just kind of in that era where Utah was starting to like dip. And yeah, he was, was kind of starting the up and up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was like in the heart of the Jackaletti era. Yeah, probably. so uh, red jacket. I'd like to apologize. Red Jackaletti. Um, <laughs> he definitely deserves to be in the top five. All right. Shout out Hoffa. All right. Yeah. So that's your mea culpa. Yeah. Anything I, else? No mea culpas for me. I can't think of anything. I have so many. I, there's like twenty five. Oh, I, actually, I had a thought tons. about your uh, your discussion on dating apps last okay. last episode. About I don't think I how about it no, last you did, episode. you did. When you were t- it was you were talking about how like if they were actually designed to be deleted, oh yeah, they okay. would start with yeah. your matches, not with like a new. Person. Yeah, what would you think about that? I said, I like I just like I have nothing really to add, but an incredible point by you. Thank you, <laughs> absolutely. I also think like it would like in a, in terms of a user experience, it would really suck. But like if they limited. I guess Hinge does this, right? You only get so many likes in a day. Yeah, but they give you a ton. But you get a ton. Like, yeah. it really should be like, okay, here's 10 people. You got like, you got two weeks. Yeah. And then after two weeks, you'll get another 10 people. But like, you got to try and make an effort with these 10. Should we just If you this? were like truly designing an app to like. Exactly. To get for... people to like have a real relationship. I agree. Yeah. Thank and you. That's ma- why I bring you and on. And almost maybe like, obviously you got to have some element of like mutual choice. Of like, yeah, you're both absolutely choosing to talk, right? So it's like a, it's a formidable ten, but like, it's not just a yeah. random, but like limiting, but like, yeah, I don't know. There's some way where I think it's like, it, the grass is always greener on a dating app, and it's just it's so hard to focus in on like any one conversation. I think, yeah. Also, Hinge is even more of a racket now, because like, basically your best matches are behind a paywall. Is that right? Yeah. How so? There's like that. I haven't been on uh, engine for. I'd have to like I forget what they're called, but like, uh, it's like I. Oh, is it like giving out the roses? The thing? roses, yeah. Oh, I saw that. So you get like yeah, one a week, a but like you have you every every day you have like six or eight people that are like best matches, uh-huh. and you in order to talk to them you have to like send them a rose, and you get one a week. So if you want to send it to more than like one person, it's like, and they're expensive. It's like three bucks for one rose or something. And based on the last appearance in the podcast, $20 is asking exactly. a lot to get married. Any money is asking a lot to get married. <laughs> but I do think like, that's kind of bullshit. <laughs> you're like, if you want to get your like good matches, you got to pay, basically. Yeah. Hinge is a racket, man. They're all rackets. And like, I understand like dating is a racket. Dating is a racket. It's a sham. (laughs) Marriage is a racket. It's all a racket. There is this new app that you might be interested in. I think. Is it called Antisocial? I think it's pronounced Grinder. Something like that. That sounds like an awful name. Grinder is very close to Grinder. Oh, I think think that's what he's talking about. I, it's think this like is a, getting... I feel like it's like a group Tinder. I don't know. It has a lot of nice guys on it. One would hope that this is getting cut out. 
I don't think we can post the gr- the grinder part of this conversation. You know what? You would appreciate this, John, and maybe maybe uh, Casey, but you're not as big of a Seinfeld guy as we are, obviously. But uh, not that there's Andy anything wrong with that. <laughs> Andy did send me a screenshot actually of a guy that he had matched with on Hinge that had reached out to him, but it said something about making sign like if you can put up with my Seinfeld references in his bio, mm. and immediately. Um, uh, Andy Andy messages back and says, "Uncle Leo." <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, that's see if that. I mean, assuming it's a girl that mentioned Seinfeld, which I don't, I don't think I've come across that yet. So it's yeah, I've as seen soon it. as I do, common, as soon as I do, it. well, as soon as I down redownload the apps and then come across that, then I'll know I've found the one. But that's right. Like that, that becomes a pressure filled situation of like what line you come back with. Yeah, that's a good point. In fact, you know what? I helped out my buddy in Mexico. There was this girl that had... Is that said, a euphemism for the <laughs> Believe it or not, it is not. <laughs> we were on vacation in Mexico, and he was he matched with some girl that mentioned something about Seinfeld, and I gave him a line about, like, something... I was like, it was such a golden line, and it actually was a facade, because he doesn't, he doesn't know Seinfeld, like either of us do, mm-hmm. obviously. Good. And I was like, dude, you gotta do this. I just pray that I have the Kavorka when it comes to talking with you, is what I said. <laughs> nice. That's a good, that's a good poll. And she said... That's the best Seinfeld reference I've seen Ooh, yet. Love and it. I was like, proud of you. You're welcome, dude. It's a great poll. You are welcome. But I felt good about that. Very good. Anyway. Well, that's as good a note as Amy bended on the Kavorka. The Kavorka. Let's pray that we all have the Kavorka moving forward, huh? I know. God willing. It's the animal magnetism. Well, I'll explain yeah. it later. It's okay. the lure of the animal. Yeah. All right, fellas, always appreciate it. Good things. You guys are coming back sooner than later. Good time. And uh, it's always a good time. Time, 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 if it takes time, time.